<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. This week, I'm tackling the national vaccine mandate. There's never been anything like it before in the United States of America. This week on Full Measure, Sunday, October 10th, vaccine mandates. Never before has the federal government forced 100 million plus people to submit to a medical procedure or face losing their livelihoods and chance to get educated or participate in society. This is serious. You know, millions of people have been protesting in other countries, protesting vaccine passports and other measures, but you haven't seen those reports on the news. I've posted some clips. In other countries, they're acting very American in Europe and places around the world, but no protests on that scale here. And this is America. We kind of invented this stuff. It's not like there aren't mass objections to what's happening, but I think people saw what happened after the January 6th riots. They saw people who just attended the protests being threatened as domestic terrorists. It's all bullied people into silence. Now a lot of people fear exercising their constitutional right to speak out if they are on a certain side of an issue. They don't trust the government to protect their rights. They might be spied on or thrown in jail or labeled a domestic terrorist. Today in this podcast, though, you're going to hear from two sides on the issue. First is Georgetown professor Lawrence Gostin, who advises the World Health Organization and the Biden administration on vaccine mandates and supports them. He differs with what a lot of other scientists think about all of this. Then you'll hear from one chief critic, Congressman Thomas Massey. You know, many public officials in Congress even are afraid to speak out, afraid they will falsely be labeled as anti-vaccine. And add to that the fact that both political parties, Democrats and Republicans, at the leadership level and beyond, they get a lot of money from pharmaceutical interests. The pharmaceutical industry has all kinds of lobbyists on the Hill. Years ago, it was said that there were something like three pharmaceutical lobbyists for every member of Congress. It all makes it difficult for people on certain sides of these issues to get heard. So first, here's Professor Gustin. Are you actually helping or advising the Biden administration on the vaccine mandate? I, I talk to the Biden administration quite often. I can't take credit for that. But um, yes, I've, I, have, I have pushed for vaccine mandates and have talked to the White House extensively. Do you have any idea when we're going to see the actual rules or all of this laid out in a plan? I think we're going to see OSHA come out with an emergency standard um, within weeks. Um, because it is an emergency. It's not a made-up emergency. Um, people are already uh, flooding back to work after um, the holidays. Many people haven't been to work for a year and a half, and so they're coming in, and they want to feel safe. And they're not going to feel safe unless you have a largely vaccinated population around you. Is this about, it sounds like, just based on what you just said, 
there are two components. There is a safety factor, but also a confidence factor that impacts the economy. Is yeah. that true? It's such a wonderful question. Yes, it absolutely is true. Um, you know, basically, there are three wonderful things about uh, vaccine mandates in the workplace. Um, the first is that it really does keep everybody much safer. Um, and then secondly, it keeps you more productive. You're not going to be out sick as much, um, and you'll be productive. And thirdly, um, it'll help the economy to bounce back because businesses will have more confidence, consumers will have more confidence, and we'll get something approaching normal fairly soon if we can get a high enough vaccination rate. Um, many people are going along with this and already doing it voluntarily. There is strong opposition as well. Is there a possibility there's an economic backlash? Because we know now that some hospital wards say they don't have enough people to staff them. United Airlines laid off 600 people fairly quickly. Could this be economically bad instead of good? You know, I don't think so. I mean, the history of mandates shows that you have a, an initial um, resistance to them. But once they become the norm and in everyday life, um, people um, just go back to work and do the things that they love to do. Um, when Emmanuel Macron of France um, rolled out his pass sanitaire, so you need a vaccine to get into the Louvre and other, or a cafe, um, which is the lifeblood of France, there were protests in the streets, but within days there were four million more vaccines than otherwise would have been. Um, so I think this will melt away. Of course, COVID is, is so different from any disease. You know, I've, I've been working um, in global health, you know, from AIDS to polio, um, you know, through to Ebola and Zika, and I've never seen the, the, the sheer bitter political controversy over things. But, but this vaccine is really safe and really effective, and eventually it is going to just be well accepted by the American society. This is something, the government mandating vaccine to earn your livelihood and be able to conduct your normal business is something I haven't seen in my lifetime. Yeah. But is it unprecedented? Well, you know, the answer is yes and no. Um, it, I've never seen the federal government come out with a, uh, a broad, as broad a mandate as this um, because the federal government traditionally does not have public health powers. Those are the states and localities. But, you know, there have been some politicians who have said that vaccine mandates are un-American or an overreach. But the truth is, is that they're very American. They actually go back when Edward Jenner um, uh, developed the first vaccine um, for smallpox, when he took a little cowpox pus and injected it into somebody to, to protect them from smallpox. Even before that, and that was in 1796, General George Washington had ordered um, inoculation of the troops. And so you take a little, if somebody got sick with smallpox, you, you take the crust of their skin and you, you inoculate it into another person's skin. And what Washington said was really interesting. He said he hated a Virginia law which was against vaccine mandates, and he would much sooner have a vaccine mandate than have the troops die of smallpox. And that's exactly what he did. 
could a state have an argument if a state were to say our ability to regulate this exceeds that or supersedes that of the federal governments? You know, they can't do that. Um, you know, even though uh, states have very broad plenary public health powers and they've been uh, vaccinating uh, populations, you know, throughout history, and the Supreme Court has twice upheld um, state mandates um, for vaccines. Nonetheless, uh, under our Constitution, the federal government is supreme. It's called the Supremacy Clause of the Constitution. So as long as President Biden has a, the power to issue this vaccine mandate, which I think he does, um, states cannot complain about it. And you might ask, you know, what is that power? Um, many people have called this an overreach or unconstitutional. But in fact, um, President Biden is acting at the very height of his presidential powers because he's not doing this unilaterally or through an executive order. He's actually doing it pursuant to the explicit authorization of the Congress of the United States. In 1970, um, Congress passed the Occupational Safety and Health Act, um, which was specifically because of a weak patchwork of worker regulations at the state level. And it gave the president, through the Department of Labor, the power to actually set national uniform standards. And that's exactly what the president is doing today. The devil is in the details, and we don't know a lot of the details yet. We don't. What do you suspect the rules will look like in terms of some specifics? Yeah, you know, I do not expect that OSHA will frame this as a vaccine mandate. What they will do is they will say to employers of 100 or more uh, employees um, that you, you either have to vaccinate every single employee, or if they're not vaccinated, you're going to have to have other rigorous safety measures, like once or twice weekly testing, universal masking. Uh, I suspect that most people will actually just want to get the jab because they don't want to go through with being tested twice a week uh, and then having to mask uh, for the indefinite future. Um, so I think it's going to be highly effective, but it won't be framed as a mask mandate. Much you said more mask mandate, you mean Oh, that. sorry, yes. Yes, but it won't be framed as a vaccine mandate. It'll be framed as this is the way to get us back to a safer workplace, which includes a highly vaccinated population, but also for those who object, um, weekly testing and masking. That's the first I've heard that if there happens to be a company with a lot of employees that it could lose and they choose to go the route of having going to a lot of trouble to having other measures, they will be allowed to do that. They will be allowed to do it. My understanding is, is that there will be a, a testing option. Um, and so uh, what OSHA will probably do is actually say, listen, we're going to require you, a large business, to have safe workplace where everybody can come to work and feel confident. Um, the best way to do that is through vaccination. Was this, was this exception that will be probably written into the rule, was that pressed because of the response to the idea of a vaccine mandate or was that part of the initial plan all along? This is part of the initial plan all along. Um, President Biden actually had three um, uh, announcements about vaccinations. 
The first one was for, in the entire federal workforce, uh, in, including federal contractors. They have to be vaccinated. They don't have a testing option. But for large businesses, President Biden said, you can either vaccinate or you can test. And I think that that's what, what OSHA will do. Um, but they will also, I think, require additional safety protocols, hopefully masking and ventilation. A lot of people want to know if they have a medical reason they can't get vaccinated. And there are thousands of people out there like that. Will they be forced to make this choice or will their businesses have to fire them? No, um, it's absolutely clear from the Supreme Court um, and, and all constitutional law that I know of that there will be and must be a medical exemption. But I should say, contrary to what a lot of Americans think, very, very few people will get a medical exemption legitimately. And the reason is, is, is that if you're immunocompromised and you're not able to mount a, a robust immune response, you're still not medically exempt because you can be vaccinated quite safely. It does protect you a little bit. And now we're rolling out boosters for immunocompromised individuals. It's only those who actually have a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine and probably you needed to get the first vaccine and had a bad reaction to it or a different vaccine and had a bad reaction to it. That's very, very rare, but um, it does happen um, and employers absolutely have to grant those medical exemptions. What about religious and ethical exemptions? I'm expecting there to be um, religious exemptions. Um, you know, states, most states in the country, that, and we know that every state in the country requires a series of vaccinations as a condition of going to school, most of them, but not all, um, grant a religious exemption. So, so some states don't, like New York and California and West Virginia and Mississippi, have no religious exemption whatsoever. But for businesses, I think that President Biden and OSHA will, will allow for a sincere religious objection. I hope it will be a narrow one because I don't know of any organized religion that's against vaccines. In fact, the core value of religion is a value of life and of health and wellness. Um, and so vaccines save lives and the Pope himself has urged all, all um, of his followers to be vaccinated. Um, so yes, there will be a religious fact, uh, exemption, but it probably will be narrow. I hope it will be. There will not be an ethical or conscientious exemption. A big point of controversy has to do with natural immunity. There are many scientists who have signed on to the notion that the bulk of studies are showing natural immunity, if you've had COVID, works better than the vaccines to date. Why shouldn't people, if they've had COVID or they can somehow show they've had exposure, why should they have to also get the vaccination? I think they should, you know, and, and on the science, um, I think there's a very strong scientific consensus that um, people who, were, um, uh, who had gotten COVID should get vaccinated. Um, they, uh, they have some protection um, with natural immunity, but it's not as robust as with a vaccine. And the good news and what you're kind of referring to is, is that if you've had COVID and then you have the vaccine on top of it, you really have rigorous um, protection 
against SARS-CoV-2. And so uh, it's highly recommended, CDC and everyone else, if you've had COVID, get another shot or get one shot and you'll be, uh, you'll have a, some really robust protection. So how will that be treated in terms of meeting the vaccine, I'll say mandate for the purposes of this interview, if you've had COVID and you don't need two shots and a booster, are you fully vaccinated if you've had one shot and how do you prove it? Well, that's very, that, that's, um, that's really a good question. We don't, I don't know that OSHA is going to get into that detail. Um, and I think it's probably true, although we haven't, we don't have a lot of good data that one shot will be enough for somebody who's already had exposure to COVID. But the protocol and the recommendation of um, the CDC and state uh, and, and local health departments is, is that if you've had um, COVID-19, you should get two um, standard injections, unless you're getting Johnson & Johnson, which is one. But if you're getting a messenger RNA vaccine that is a Pfizer or a Moderna vaccine, you should get two vaccines. It's entirely safe. There's no downside to it for you. Um, and you'll have really robust protection for you and for your family. Do you think that will be required, though, for people who've had COVID? If you would ask me, the answer would be yes. Um, that Because it would be too difficult to separate those who've had COVID and haven't and and to try to, to, to do um, uh, uh, antibody tests to see whether you've had COVID. I think it would be, be short, sweet, and simple that if you've been fully vaccinated, which requires two messenger RNA um, uh, doses. <clears throat> I, I don't want to go down all the scenarios, but one more that comes to mind. Are you fully vaccinated if you go to your workplace and the spacing between the two shots was not as recommended? Or if there's some anomaly, is, or, if, or if you're immunocompromised, maybe your office doesn't know it, but you're supposed to have the third booster. How will your workplace determine that? You know, that's going to be hard. I mean, I think when you look at all of the minutia about whether or not you have a booster or whether you're immunocompromised or whether you've had COVID-19, I think OSHA will and should just keep it simple. Basically, you know, if you've had two doses of a recommended vaccine, even if you're not within the, the, the recommended um, length between those doses, um, you'll, you'll, you'll qualify as being fully, fully immunized. If this is about protection, why should businesses with fewer than 100 people be exempt? They may have 95 people sitting in an office together, uh, having contact with a lot of customers every day. Yeah. You know, this is a um, concern. Um, and normally when OSHA sets a standard, it sets it for all businesses. Um, and it doesn't just do it for large businesses. Um, so there is a concern that some employees might go to a smaller employer um, or a smaller business where they don't have to get a shot. Um, that does, I think OSHA one day may um, expand it to um, uh, less than 100 employees. But I think President Biden was making a calculation. Um, the first calculation was is that large businesses are in a much better position financially and they have the resources to actually execute um, this kind of a um, vaccine requirement. Um, and then secondly, um, he wanted to make sure that um, he didn't put a burden on small businesses. 
Uh, I think that's the explanation for why it was only large businesses. I do think, though, that if you have a business that's small but with lots of different branches and all those branches add up to more than 100 employees, they will be included in this requirement. So back to what I said in the beginning, in some ways, this sounds as though it's as much about an economic, maybe creating confidence, getting people back to the workplace, as it is about actual protection, when we're not talking about seeing if they've met the letter of whether their immunity is protected and so on and covering small businesses. You know, I actually do think that it's about protection primarily, but it will have uh, economic um, benefits as well. Um, you know, basically, if you have to think about this, we're going through a really horrific time in America with the Delta variant. The Delta variant is so highly contagious that it's almost as contagious as chickenpox. Now, most of you reviews won't even remember chickenpox because the vaccine is so successful at preventing it. Um, but when I was growing up, you'd basically have chickenpox parties and you just get the kids together and they would all get chickenpox. Delta is like that. If you crowd a lot of people together in a workplace and they're not vaccinated, they're going to get sick. Um, and many of them will then go and get their families or, or their friends or their co-workers sick. Um, we don't want that. We want everybody to go back to work. They we want them to feel safe and secure. Um, this is going to benefit every worker who will then be able to have confidence, you know, that you can, you know, go back to commuting, go back to your office, and eventually you can, you know, hug your, your co-workers and um, you can shake hands and um, act as if you were normal. The only tool we have for that is vaccination. If you think back to this um, uh, horrific year and a half that we've had, basically we've tried everything against SARS-CoV-2. We've We've masked, and it kept roaring back. We've distanced, it kept roaring back. We even locked down entire cities, and as soon as we opened up, it roared back. Vaccines are our ticket out of this, and it's our only ticket out. So I think it's a great thing what the president is doing, because he could get us back to normal sooner. And I know a lot of people um, feel strongly about um, them having, you know, the freedom to make their own choice and they want to be left alone and make their own choice. But the truth is, is that we're all interconnected and we have to think about the common good. There's a wider freedom and that's the freedom to get back to the things we love, to go to a cafe or a restaurant with your family or your friends, to go to a concert, to go to work, to go to school and feel confident and secure. That's the kind of freedom that I think all Americans yearn for. Okay, three or four more questions. Um, in many parts of America, as you probably know, they've been back to normal. They really never went into these lockdowns. I'm talking about outside the hot, spot, hot spots, outside the big cities where we've been the last year and a half. Mm. Why should everybody have to use the one-size-fits-all answer to the question when some places... COVID is done with, is come and gone, or appears to be not an issue there. They went back to school with no masks in fall of 2020, played sports, didn't have any spikes. Is there something to be said for the idea that not every place needs the same answer? 
Well, yes, there is something to be said, you know, to have some local autonomy. I do understand that, and, and, and COVID will be different in different places. But the truth is, is that if you're not vaccinated anywhere in America, there's really no place to hide um, because we're a very mobile country. Um, we travel, we travel for holidays, we travel for vacations, we travel for our, with, with our families. Sooner or later, if you're not vaccinated and you, and you don't have any protection or immunity against SARS-CoV-2, you will get that, that infection. It's that contagious. And I don't know of any area in America that's so rural um, that that won't happen. It happens in Alaska. It happens in you know, little villages in, in Alaska like Bethel. Uh, and it'll happen everywhere. And we, we already see that we have a divide in America. And the divide is basically communities that have high vaccination rates and those that don't. You know, it doesn't give me any pleasure whatsoever to say to somebody that you have to be vaccinated. Um, we're saying to people, you know, please be vaccinated because you're not an island. Um, you're a, a member of a family and a community. There are people you love, uh, and it'll protect you, and it'll protect all of, all of the people that you love. How will OSHA enforce this? Are they going to count on affidavits being filled out by companies or going on site and trying to inspect all of them somehow? Well, you know, OSHA has been hollowed out in terms of its ability to actually inspect and regulate. So we need to actually improve going forward. Um, our regulatory agencies so that we so they can do the job that they were meant to do to keep Americans healthy and safe. But even with a hollowed out um, uh, uh, workforce at COVID, uh, I think this will be uh, enforceable. Um, first of all, when OSHA sets the standard, um, employers tend to follow. In fact, they tend to apply, they tend to follow the standard even before it's announced. And already we're seeing um, uh, businesses across the country um, uh, requiring vaccinations, including uh, United Airlines. And I think we're going to see more and more and more of that. Once the standard is announced, most businesses will fall into compliance. There will be um, inspections. Um, and the most important thing is, is that employees will be able to call or write to OSHA and say, hey, my employer is not abiding by this rule, and that will be kind of a whistleblower function so that, that OSHA will know and will get compliance. I do expect that we're a law-abiding society. Businesses want to follow the law. There are very hefty fines for not following an OSHA standard, uh, and I think we're going to see widespread compliance. There are scientific differences of opinion on how robust natural immunity is compared to vaccine immunity. Many studies, and I've compiled a bunch of them, say that the natural immunity is better, stronger, and longer lasting. I know you disagreed. You said there's studies actually, that say the opposite. I actually think, I, I, I don't know of any public health agency that, that buys that line. I think what the public has been seeing is, is that if you've been vac if you've got been if you've had COVID-19 and then you're vaccinated, you have extraordinarily robust protection uh, against SARS-CoV-2. But 
all the public health uh, advice that I've seen um, from respected public health agencies, not here just in the United States, but worldwide, is, is that if you've had COVID-19, you're safer if you then get a vaccination. So without knowing the answer to the question, but taking what you said at face value, if there is a question about that and legitimate scientific dispute, maybe between non-public health scientists and public health scientists, you said there's no downside to a vaccine. That's not quite right because the side effects may be very low. People can argue about incidents of side effects, but there are some that CDC even has acknowledged and others that have been pointed out in other countries. So there is at least a slight risk that comes with vaccination. Yes, but it's such a remote risk compared to the risk of getting COVID-19 um, that it, it is not even um, comparable. After a short break, we'll hear from one of the fierce critics of federal vaccine mandates. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're back. Now we'll hear from Congressman Thomas Massey, a Republican from Kentucky. What would you say is your top gripe with vaccine mandates as being proposed by the Biden administration? Uh, do I only get one top gripe? I guess my top gripe is they're unscientific. Uh, they don't recognize natural immunity, which depending on which study and what your metrics are, let's just take the metric for the Pfizer study. Their endpoint was, did you get symptomatic COVID? The uh, latest study shows that you're 27 times less likely to contract symptomatic COVID if you have immunity from prior infection versus having the vaccine and never been infected before. So why would you force those people to take the vaccine? It doesn't make any sense. The line that we're given on that is, the answer to that is that you get even more protection <laughs> if you get a shot on top of having been infected. Yeah, if Pfizer made that study, uh, they'd be in tr if Pfizer made that claim, they'd be in trouble. There's not enough evidence to, to make that credibly. So only the people who can't get in trouble are making that claim. If a drug manufacturer said that we've got, this, we've got evidence that it shows that if you've already been infected and you take our vaccine, you're going to be far better off, they would lose their license to sell drugs. Because uh, it's not the case? It's not the case. The Pfizer data doesn't show it. The Moderna data doesn't show it. The outside studies, like at Cleveland Clinic with 50,000 people, don't show it. All the studies from Israel don't show it. There's one contrived study out of Kentucky, uh, which is not peer-reviewed because no publication would ever publish it. And in the closing paragraph, they mentioned the five flaws with their own study and, and, and specifically say we couldn't establish causality. How would you characterize how big of a deal this is? Because I was looking, in my lifetime, the federal government has never mandated a vaccination you know, program. It's a big deal. Uh, Joe Biden knows he can't walk up to you and stick a needle in you and inject chemicals. That's violence. Uh, even if he's the president, he can't do that to you. But somehow he, he believes that if he inserts your employer 
and the Department of Labor in between him and you that he can force you to receive a needle in your body. So constitutionally, it's a big deal. Uh, I think it's a war on uh, working women of childbearing age. If you look at the demographics that are most affected and most opposed to this, women who are uh, either with child or planning to have a child, I've heard of some of them leaving school because the school has a vaccine mandate. I've heard of uh, some of them who are going to who have already left their nursing jobs, uh, teachers who've already left. The labor participation is going to go down, and it's going to go down within that group. Uh, there are also several other demographics that it discriminates against. Ultimately, I have hope that the Supreme Court is going to find this illegal, like they did with CDC's eviction moratorium. But in the meantime, Joe Biden is going to be able to bluff many corporations. His tar he's targeting 100 million Americans. Those are their numbers. He may, without ever promulgating this rule, effectively get 50 or 80 million of them to comply. Nobody has standing yet. Nobody can sue the U.S. government for this rule because Joe Biden hasn't written it yet. And I think that's by design. Companies abhor risk and uncertainty. And if Joe Biden says this is what we're going to do next, then the HR department goes ahead and implements it so that there won't be any hiccup for them. And so I think that's what he's doing. I think just like with the eviction moratorium, he knew extending it was illegal because he had already been told that. He probably knows this is illegal, but he's doing it anyway. Um, there will be, we're told, provisions for medical exemptions, which will be hard to get. And there will be religious exemptions, which will also be hard to get. But nothing for ethical exemptions and nothing for natural immunity of prior infection, which, according to the bulk of studies I've seen, is more effective or pro proving to be better than vaccine immunity so far. What do you make of that? I don't think they're going to grant exemptions. Uh, they haven't granted exemptions to anybody except for the illegal immigrants coming across the border. They haven't granted exemptions to members of our military, uh, some of who are walk whom are walking away from, uh, you know, almost 20 years of, of earned retirement and health care benefits, some of whom are willing to be uh, court-martialed over this and may, in fact, get court-martialed. They're not, to my knowledge, they haven't granted a single exemption to any of them. They're, those are the people that are willing to put their lives on the line to protect our country. I don't believe him if he says he's going to grant exemptions that are going to be obtainable by other people. What, if anything, can those who don't agree with this mandate, what can they do about it? Huh. Well, I would become a contractor. I've talked to uh, women who want to keep their jobs. They love their jobs but uh, they're worried about the, the long-term effects on if they have a child. And one of my constituents, I advise to see if your boss will pay as a consultant. Uh, see if you can get a 1099. Uh, that's one way out of it if you work for a company that's got more than 100 people. Uh, you know, all the ways they try to get around Obamacare, the, you'll probably see small companies or medium-sized companies try to get around this mandate. I would say if your employer doesn't value you enough not to force you to take a medical procedure that you don't want, then find another employer. Easy said than done, though, maybe. It's hard to do. People have to resist to the extent they can. Uh, I know some people are living month to month from that paycheck, and they can't go without it. Uh, it's, it's sad for them. 
they're in a tough spot already, and they're being put in an even tougher spot. But that's why anybody who can go one month without a paycheck or six months without a paycheck should push back right now. If you can, do push back. What are you hearing from people who contact your office, whether they're military people or other constituents, about the mandates? What are they telling you? What they're telling me is even though the mandates haven't kicked in, whether it's in their workplace or at the military, they're being coerced already. Their superiors, uh, whether it's at work or in the military, are uh, treating them differently, uh, discriminating against them. Uh, I know at one company, I don't want to call them out, they require their employees to wear lanyards that are a different color uh, so that everybody you know, will know the vaccine status of every other employee. They did that initially, initially so they could enforce the mask mandate. If you were an employee with a, you know, a yellow lanyard and you saw somebody with a purple lanyard and they didn't have their mask on, you could bark at them, you could rat them out. And so identification was the first step. By the way, I think that's why Joe Biden skipped a nationwide mask mandate and went straight to the vaccine mandate. You can't measure noncompliance visually for the vaccine mandate. But with mask mandates, if he had said, you know, within 90 days, everybody's going to have to wear a mask, the noncompliance would be obvious. So they chose something where you can't see that people aren't complying. Um, You mentioned that the vaccines, as everybody knows, and CDC has acknowledged, are wearing off after some months in many instances. And people who are vaccinated can still, as CDC acknowledges, spread covid despite the misstatement by CDC Director Walensky at one point. Um, What does that say about how protected you really are in the workplace around other people who've been vaccinated? There's no guarantee that somebody who's been vaccinated won't spread the virus. In fact, just going on the claims of the CDC alone that say that you can still get COVID, but you'll be asymptomatic, it would seem reasonable to think that people who've had the vaccine are more likely to be asymptomatic spreaders of the virus than those who haven't had the vaccine. Come to work even if they're, they've got the virus and not even know it. They may come to work. They may have a high viral load. This is, this is why the CDC freaked out this summer when they got the results from the, uh, the county in Massachusetts, where they saw that not only were people who had the vaccine contracting the the virus, but they were most likely spreading it. And that's why they said, okay, our rules for masks are now back to the old rules. Everybody has to wear a mask. That's because they found out that you could be spreading it if you're vaccinated. So this is another part that's not scientific. They're saying if you're unvaccinated, you have to get the test every week or every day to come to work. Why wouldn't you test the vaccinated as well? Because like I said, they may be more likely to be asymptomatic spreaders of COVID. What do you think is behind this? Do those who are pushing for the vaccine mandate simply believe different science, or do you think there is a different goal at play? So I used to try and give the most beneficial interpretation to their malfeasance possible. I used to say, well, their health, their public health officials, and they're telling noble lies. They, uh, like in the beginning when they said masks don't work, they told that noble lie because they were trying to preserve PPE for healthcare workers. Then overnight they switched to, 
Well, the Surgeon General came on TV and showed you how to fold up a handkerchief that would protect you and those around you from COVID. That was another noble lie to protect the PPE supply. Uh, but now we've got enough PPP, PPE to go around. Why haven't they told us the next thing that's actually the truth? They've just dug in their heels, I suppose, uh, and I, I'm at a loss now to give them a charitable uh, motive to, you know, I have to impugn their motives at this point. They're, they're unscientific, they're dug in, they're ignoring the facts, they're ignoring the data. And I, you know, in the beginning, the danger of this was they were getting people vaccinated that didn't need it. Uh, they weren't prioritizing those who needed it the most. And so you could probably go back if it's true that the vaccine is saving lives. In the beginning, they were costing lives by just indiscriminately saying, regardless of your age or prior uh, immunity, go ahead and get the vaccine. That was dangerous then. And now I think it's dangerous because they're going down to children at this point. And uh, you can look in any state. I've looked at the state of Kentucky. If you're 70 or 80 some years old, you're a thousand times more likely to suffer from COVID than somebody who's under the age of 19. So why would they be pushing for people under the age of 19 to take the vaccine now? I don't know. It doesn't add up. Also, they've not approved this vaccine for children, you know, zero to uh, I think 16 and above. They've got full approval, but you can go down to 12. But the children from zero to 11 aren't approved. I think that's a wise move from the FDA. But if children who are zero to 11 aren't approved, how can they approve it for pregnant women who are going to have a baby that's zero any day? And they say, well, the bank, some people will say, oh, uh, the vaccine doesn't go across the placenta. It doesn't go through the umbilical cord. Meanwhile, there are studies and there are other half of the people are claiming, oh, get the vaccine while you're pregnant and your baby will be born immune because the uh, antibodies do cross that barrier. So which is it? They have to decide. I think they're also going to have a childhood vaccine by the holidays, you know, for, for little children, by the way. Uh, the scary thing about the childhood vaccine is, is not that it exists, but that once it does exist, they're going to move to force the vaccine on those children. You know, if this were a, a, a low budget movie and aliens took over the planet and they were uh, infecting us, but we found out that there, were, there was a secret weakness to the infection they were trying to give us, that if you were under the age of 20, you were immune the, the plot of this movie would have us exploiting that weakness in the aliens or in the virus that they brought us. But we're in a, we're in a movie that doesn't even have a, a low-budget, B-grade plot. Uh, we're not even trying to exploit that. What we should have done from the very beginning is never close the schools. Those, that population could have contributed toward herd immunity without incurring any more risk than the flu. And then you would you would have had, you know, 25, 30 percent of the population who couldn't even spread it a, a year ago. If they just stayed in school last spring, we'd already been to 25 percent because of school. In the meantime, you could have protected the elderly better than we did. And we should have given tests, home tests to everybody and said, we'll give you uh, unemployment 
if you test positive instead of uh, I thought I shut that off I'm sorry you say we'll give you <laughs> yeah. unemployment if you yeah do. okay uh, let me back up a little bit further uh, we should have given everybody out. home yeah. tests and yeah. said yeah and we uh, we should have given everybody home tests and we could have given uh, we should have given everybody home tests and we could have offered unemployment to anybody who tested positive with the home kit. Now there have been a lot of people who weren't really positive that said, oh, my test came back positive, but that's a small price to pay to have maybe five or 10% of the workforce out of not coming to work on any given day instead of shutting down our whole economy. And that would have been uh, so much better than what's happened. One interesting point, I don't know if you have a comment on it, we reached out to a lot of Democrat members of Congress, particularly starting with Chuck Schumer, leader in the Senate, and Nancy Pelosi, leader in the House, asking them for interviews about the vaccine mandate, and then specifically whether or not they wanted to do an interview, asking them whether they support the federal vaccine mandate. And not only did nobody want to do an interview, nobody will answer that question. Are you hearing Democrats on the Hill support the federal vaccine mandate, or what kind of conversation are you hearing? So we've forced this issue to a vote in two of the committees that I serve on. We can't get a vote on the floor of the House. Yes, they want to hide from this. But anywhere the rules allow, we are forcing them to own these vaccine mandates. In the Transportation Committee, for instance, on, the, on this big infrastructure bill, it was completely germane. So I introduced an amendment that said none of the money we're spending can go toward enforcement of a vaccine passport. When given, when put in a corner and forced to vote, every Democrat voted for vaccine passports on the Transportation Committee. Now, we had a prohibition on vaccine mandates in a bill in judiciary, an amendment there. Every Democrat voted for vaccine mandates there. So I think this is going to be, uh, this is a perilous political position for them. This is why you probably can't get too many to talk about it. Also, they're going to be inconsistent. If they speak for more than five minutes, they'll probably conflict themselves. Uh, but in the midterms that are coming up, they're not looking at the subgroups and the crosstabs on their polls. Yes, 60, mid 60 percent of the American population support vaccine mandates and passports. And it's probably even higher within the Democrat demographic uh, but the problem is they've got some core groups like black Americans, like uh, young women who they are completely alienating right now. Maybe I'm thinking too much about some of these signals, but I keep thinking this has the, the vaccine mandates have the potential to be something very big and very chaotic that tears up some businesses. It's already shutting down some hospital wards. Um, that puts more people on unemployment and maybe without health insurance. This could snowball into something maybe even bigger than we're, we're thinking about now. The theme through all of this is to overact and do things that are going to kill our economy, but then inject it full of money to keep everything floating, like the stock market. Keep the stock market up. It doubled during all of these shutdowns, like or went, a lot of stocks went up at least 50 percent. Some doubled. Uh, there were winners and losers, of course, but they did that by injecting money into the system and they keep doing that. The amount of money we are spending now, we've spent $5 trillion, which is $40,000 per household. You can cover a lot of mistakes in your budget at home if you have $40,000 to spend. 
Uh, and that's what they're doing. They're covering all the mistakes that they're making. I don't know how long they can sustain that. We're already seeing inflation kick in. We're seeing shortages. We go to buy a truck now or an appliance. Maybe they have them, but not the one you want. When you go to buy food, maybe they're out of brisket, but you can get a sirloin roast. We're starting to see the beginnings of that, and all the prices are going up. So I don't think their strategy is going to work out in the long run. And I think, again, they're, in a, they're going to be in a tough situation when the midterms come around. Today, you heard from Congressman Thomas Massey, a Republican from Kentucky, a critic of federal vaccine mandates, as well as a supporter, Professor Lawrence Gostin. If you're interested in this topic and want to hear more, I have a fascinating interview with another member of Congress, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, and you can find that at the Cheryl Ackeson podcast on justthenews.com, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. That should be posted on Friday, October 8th. And be sure and check out my entire story, my cover story on vaccine mandates, Sunday, October 10th on Full Measure. As always, you can find a TV station near you by going to CherylAckeson.com. Click the Full Measure tab and you will see the list right there. If you don't have a TV station near you, you will also find other ways to watch. You can watch live or replays online at fullmeasure.news. In fact, you can catch last week's scintillating program on critical race theory right now at fullmeasure.news. We post the day's program after it airs on TV on Sunday, probably around noon Eastern time. That's when you can see the segments. We also have an app called STIRR, S-T-I-R-R. You can download it for free, and there's all kinds of cool free programming in addition to Full Measure. You can watch that live or on demand, but you can also see local news there. It's pretty hard to get local news online otherwise. You can also find other good entertainment and movies on the STIRR application. Do your own research. Make up your own mind. Think for yourself.